the heart of Sharjah. Pulse 95. Keeping it local all day, every day. Life Beats, Life beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Now it is time to head straight to the world's largest book fair and get a live update from our one and only Saeed Saeed, the Nationals Arts and Culture Reporter. Salam alaikum, Saeed, or should I say, guten tag. Guten tag, alaikum, salam, Saeed. It's good. It's good to hear you, uh, Saeed, live from the. Am I going to get this right? The Frankfurter Bookmess. Is that right? Yes, the, yes, yes. So is the book is the bookmesser. The bookmesser. I was corrected. Thank and you. I was corrected yesterday by the security guard. <laughs> you getting? Are you getting your strudel in as well? You've just had breakfast. That's right. It's about eight a.m., isn't it? That's right. It's about eight a.m. So in about an hour, we're all going to start moving to the um to the Frankfurt Trade Fairgrounds, mm. where you know the world, the world's largest book fair, the Frankfurt Book Fair, is held. Oh, fantastic. We've had a, a really big opening, haven't we? Um, an, an opening speech uh, from uh, the renowned Nigerian novelist Shimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Uh, she's pretty much fired up the book fair um, with her particular speech, hasn't she? Yes, that's right. I mean, the, um, the, opening, I mean the, the opening ceremony is held the day before the book fair, and it always includes a high-ranking individual. So last year we had none other than the French, the French um, leader um, Emmanuel Macron, mm-hmm. um, who gave it, um, who gave a speech, um, you know, about you know, you know, about France's role in culture. Now we have Chimamanda, amazing Nigerian author, and she. Typical Chimamanda style. If you've seen her in the Dubai Literature Festival a couple of years ago, she pulls no punches. Her discussion was basically about the need to have more diverse um, uh, uh, voices in literature, particularly women's voices. And she zeroed in on the fact that it's not just about a woman should be writing from a woman. She basically pointed the finger at the men and saying we should also expand our horizons and read stories written by women. And by doing that, and by that, she's saying it's not about being politically correct. It's about being precise. It's about you get a more accurate representation of the world if we read widely. Let's listen to her now. This is a little bit of what she had to say. This is a time for more complex stories. It is not enough to know about how refugees suffer or how they do not fit into a new society. We must also know about what hurts their pride. What do they aspire to? And who arms the wars that made them refugees in the first place? This is a time to pass the subject of immigration, to be honest about it, to ask whether the question is about immigration or whether it is about immigration of specific kinds of people, Muslims, black people, brown people. This is a time for boldness in storytelling, a time for new storytellers. It is important to have a wide diversity of voices, not because we want to be politically correct, but because we want to be accurate. We cannot understand the world if we continue to pretend that a small fraction of the world is representative of the whole world. All over the world today, women are speaking up. Their stories are still not really heard. It is time for us to pay more than lip service to the fact that women's stories are for everyone, not just women. We know from studies that women read books by men and women, but men read books by men. 
It is time for men to read women. It is time to bring an end to that question, what do women want? Because it is time for all of us to know that women simply want to be full members of the human family. I can't imagine anybody saying it as well as she did, Said. Yes, that's right. And one of the things as well that she mentioned as well, you know, as part of that whole drive to, to us to read widely, she also challenges um, authors themselves, you know, who, um, and she states that there's way too many authors um, that try to make their central characters more likable. Mm, yeah. And in the process, you know, they lose some of the truth that, you know, that their novel tries to kind of um, try to get at. So it's a very expansive and far-ranging speech directed to the readers, to the authors, to the publishers. It's a quite fitting way to begin this book fair. It's quite amazing. What are we looking forward to uh, at the Frankfurt Book Fair? You are traveling with the Sharjah Book Authority as well. Uh, what, are, what are we looking forward to here at the World's Largest Book Fair? Well, uh, yeah, well, there's two different things here. So in just in terms of just giving you an example of how wide this book fair is, you have more than 7,300 exhibitors from all corners of the globe, from, from 100 countries, mm. and you have um, up to like up to 300,000 visitors taking part. So, yeah, so in, in that sense, it's a wide book fair and and you know and there's always little kind of gems of sessions that's happening in little nooks and crannies you know of the it. festival so you, yeah so you kind of have to walk around and just kind of you know see what's happening but in terms of the Sharjah of the participation um it's a great participation so basically it's a the Sharjah book fair occupies this beautiful stand kind of like in the on the fifth um, on the fifth hall as they're called and the stand is run by the Sharjah Book Authority and on the side you have the Emirates Publishers Association. So yep, so I was having a chat with them and the Frankfurt Book Fair is very important for the Sharjah um, um, Book Authority because the next book fair major one that after Frankfurt is none other than Sharjah. Yes. Yeah. which is running at the end um, of the month. So this is so, yeah, so this book fair is a chance for them to kind of tie up any loose ends and, you know, and get things done for that. For sure. We're seeing uh, His Highness, uh, Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Mohammed Al-Qasimi, uh, he's actually signing uh, copies of his latest novel there at the Frankfurt Book Fair. That's right, uh, and that's a and that's a great thing, which is not like an unusual. Um, um, Sheikh Qasimi has came, you know, to um, to the Frankfurt Book Fair a number of times, you know, as an author, whether it's um, a German translation of a previous work or a new work. But this one in particular, um, he launched. Uh, he's launching um, a novel mm. called Baby Fatwa and the King's Son which addresses the story of an ambitious woman who clings um, to the falling rule of the kings under the Portuguese occupation of the Kingdom of Hormuz, known as Ormus. Uh, so basically, yeah, so the novel kind of takes us through the life, of uh, the social life in Hormuz, what's been going on, and the economic and political and social factors that was kind of prevailing at the time. Interesting thing, about that novel, we had a we had a wonderful dinner um, with Sheikh Al Qasimi the day before 
at the literature house, yes, which kind of functioned as a mini, um, um, a mini book launch, you know, and he had and it was full of wonderful anecdotes, and he was saying that, um, you know, he was on holiday, and then um, then he um, he um, he got requested, you know, what do you want to contribute? To the Sharjah Book Fair this year, meaning what book do you want to yeah. <laughs> do you want to uh, have given? And and Sheikh Qasimi he admitted, well, oh, well, I better start moving, and he wrote that book in six weeks. I just, it just, in it's six. astonishing, you know. Let's just reflect on that, as you say, six weeks of relentless writing. Um, with 35 re- reliable sources used as historical references, because as we know, His Highness, uh, the ruler of Sharjah, he is a uh, not just a history buff, but he's an expert um, in matters right. of history. Uh, that's right, and a stickler, and yes. a stickler for yes. uh, accuracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, in uh, in the wonderful talk that he gave us, he was talking about the importance, you know, for you know, for historians and authors and writers or anybody with knowledge to kind of back up what they're saying, their claims, with accurate research. And you know, and for and for example, you know, he said, you know, when it comes to the novel, he went on a full-on deep dive. You know, of understanding, you know, the the, the situation of, of you know of, of ancient Portugal at that time, and he said that by having all of those of references together, he wanted the book to kind of be act as an insight into this kind of turbulent time in Portuguese history. It's amazing, it really is, and he's just, you know, I, I've seen him there. Obviously, you were with him um, at this uh, particular dinner, and the energy. Uh, that His Highness has traveling, writing, and just so engaged. And everybody that we speak to uh, says the same thing, that he is so deeply interested, you know, in everything, everything to do with arts and culture. Um, And, you know, representing Sharjah and the UAE, it's quite extraordinary. But stick around with us, Saeed, because uh, coming up next after the break, we are going to be uh, talking about exactly what's going to be happening at the Sharjah International Book Fair that is happening at the end of this month. Can you stick around? Yes, please. Awesome. Okay. It's Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. The heart of Sharjah. With a story to tell. Life Beats Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Welcome back to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse 95. And we are speaking live on the line to Said Said. He's the arts and culture reporter at The National. Said, now um, you are, of course, at the Frankfurt Book Fair, but something that we are very much looking forward to here in Sharjah is the Sharjah International Book Fair. It's almost upon us. It's just a couple more weeks yes that's right sally and you know in a way this is also linked to the frankfurt book fair the frankfurt book fair as i said before is one of the world's biggest uh, meetups essentially and a lot of festivals come here a lot of book festivals come here to kind of make some deals you know and to also line up the last guests that are coming to certain events. So Sharjah Book Fair comes here also to Frankfurt to kind of sign the final last, the, the, the last bits of the puzzle for the upcoming Sharjah Book Fair, which is happening in a couple of weeks. 
It is indeed. And uh, this is, in fact, the 37th edition of the Sharjah International Book Fair, um, which is quite incredible when you consider how long it's been going. Um, it starts on the 31st of October. Um, but it, who are some of the big names, Said, who are going to be coming to uh, the Sharjah Book Fair? That's right. So we're talking about the 37th um, International uh, Charger Book Fair. It's the fourth biggest book fair in the world. So expect hundreds and hundreds of, of um, publishers, of you know different organizations and authors. So what we have right now is the first bunch of names that have been announced, and I suspect there'll be a few more names to be announced um, next week, and 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 one and, and and the last bit of names to be announced a few days before the festival begins. So what do we know so far? Okay, so the big names that are coming here is basically we have um, the Algerian novelist Ahlam Al Mustaghani, she's amazing. We have the British um, business writer Emma Gannon. We have the the Indian composer El Subramaniam. We and of course, when it comes to the Arab world, we have the Palestinian poet Ibrahim Nasrallah. This is very important because Ibrahim Nasrallah um, this year won the international prize for Arabic fiction. He did. He came to the UAE mm. um, in um, in Abu Dhabi to 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 to, um, to, um, to get the prize. So he's going to be coming here um, to discuss um, the the, the award, his award-winning work, which is Second War of the Dog. And finally, another person to look forward to is the Emirati veteran um, writer, poet, stage actor. The guy's amazing, Habib Ghulam. Habib Ghulam will be uh, definitely one to watch as well there. But uh, somebody who's caught my eye, uh, Saeed, is Lily Singh, who is, yeah. of course, the, the YouTuber and author of How to Be a Boss. Um, I can definitely say that my daughter's got her book. Um, she is yes. huge. Right, and and that's the thing. I mean, and you're seeing this is happening in the Sharjah Book Fair of late. I mean, work. You know, I mean, the Sharjah Book Fair is responding to the trends in the industry. So social media has been playing what you call a very big part in the programming. Last year we had, if you remember, Lang Live. You know that the um, that the, the Insta poet. Yes. Uh, so she, yeah, so she came, and you know, and she sold out her session. Essentially, it was packed. So this year, you know, we have um, we have Sun Lee, as you as you said, and she's playing at the and she's not playing, performing, and talking about her work at the social media station, which is a part of the book fair, which is held at Sharjah Expo. Mm. You've also got uh, the likes of Bruce Parry, who is a uh, BAFTA award-winning documentary presenter and author, um, and he's the author of Tribe to Why: A Voice from the Forest. Um, some extraordinary writers. And experiences that we uh, will be exploring at the Sharjah Book Fair. Some names that you know you don't really uh, expect. Uh, another one uh, that is from Nigeria, uh, Okachuku uh, Ophili. I hope I've got that right. But he's the author of How Intelligence Kills. Um, yes, amazing author. That's right. And again, these are just only like the tip of the iceberg, mm. you know, that are coming here. I mean, one thing that we haven't discussed, you know, in terms of authors that are coming is that this year's guest of honor at the Sharjah International Book Fair is Japan. Yes. So they're going to have their own pavilion and, they'll, and that pavilion will host a string of Japanese novelists and thinkers um, and, and, and they'll be talking about their works as well. So we don't even know who's coming to that yet and that's going to be announced very soon. So, there's, so basically what we know now is only the, um, the surface of what's coming up. It's just fantastic. Uh, uh, for those, you go year after year to the Sharjah Book Fair. Now, for those who've never been before, what should they be expecting? 
side. Look, the first thing is you have to understand the Sharjah Book Fair is, as I said before, is the fourth biggest in the world. So you have to first thing you'll realize it is packed. You know, and that's part of the you know, and that's part of the wonderful thing about it because it's part literature festival, it's part book market. You know, it's part you know, um, like yeah. social media demonstrations. It's a big festival celebrating um, the written word. Like you, you said, know, so, it really yeah. is a, a book market as well because I know I've I've been before and you just every corner that you turn, you know, wherever you walk. Uh, there is a, an amazing bookseller there with books that you haven't seen before, Arabic, English, uh, Hindi, uh, Malayam, uh, all kinds of languages, Japanese this year as well. Uh, it will be incredible. And the thing is as well, I mean, the wonderful thing about, you know, about this book fair and book fairs in general is that it gives you access, you know, to literature from around the world. Mm. For example, one of the, one of the the great things that the Sharjah Book Fair does is that it really kind of service um, the North Indian community, you know, yes. in the UAE. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, the Malayalam program alone in the Sharjah Book Fair is huge, and it's like a mini festival within, you know, the book fair. And the thing is, these books are also, they're not available like online. There's no Amazon.com, mm, mm-hmm. like, you know, for Malayalam literature. So a lot of these families who come in, they come into the Sharjah Book Fair and they buy one year's worth of literature. So they literally come with trolleys. <laughs> and they're packing in like 60, 70, exactly. 80 books and they buy 12 <laughs> months worth of books and then they're back to replenish the bookshelf a year later. I mean, uh, we've been talking as well about um, those who are uh, certainly uh, from the subcontinent as well. Somebody who else who's coming uh, is Nandita Das. She's an actor and director. And, and I'm told, uh, I, I don't follow Bollywood movies. I really should be. Um, but she is, uh, as I said, an actor and a director, one of the leading figures of the Indian film industry. And she's going to be there as well. She's acted in more than 40 feature films in 10 different languages. I mean, that's right. Wow. And, you know, and that is kind of in line with Charger Book Fair programming. Like every year, you know, they do bring um, like, um, uh, a person of stature from that part of the world. Last year, uh, we had uh, Wazim Akram. Mm. Now you all, yeah, now you the cricketer. Wazim, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, um, the, former, um, the former player from um, the Pakistan national cricket team. I mean, they get, the, they get these personalities and they talk about their life and they talk about their love of reading. So it's not, like the, it's not, it's not a random thing. I mean, they yeah. pick certain figures who talk about these things. And again, this is important because as well, one of the hidden um, goals of the book fair is to promote a love of reading. And sometimes it's more effective to get that message from, you know, big Bollywood stars, cricketing players, you know, and yeah, so that, that sometimes can, that could be more effective than a big name author. As you said, Saeed, uh, Lily Singh is going to be at the social media station. There is a dedicated social media station. There is a cookery corner program for the foodies like me. And I know you are too. You're definitely a foodie uh, along with me. So there are going to be chefs cooking there. Uh, you can join the chefs. There's a children's program, a cultural program, a book signing corner. Uh, it really is extraordinary. It's one to watch out for. And for the cookery corner, I would say... I would say it's a good bet there'll be a bunch of um, chefs coming in from Japan as part of the Japanese pavilion. So oh, I think can you imagine? That'd be brilliant. Of Japanese cuisine. Um, I think the, um, the, the, the Japanese um, pavilion will be hosting some cookery sessions as well. So it's, there's definitely a lot um, to pack in. Yeah.
I'm just looking on the website now. Uh, there's Moroccan cuisine. Uh, Hassan uh, Masouli is going to be there, which I know uh, Sharif Hamidi, uh, the host of the Morning Majlis, is going to love uh, being Moroccan himself. Uh, but of course, people can go to the website SIBF. Dot com Sharjah International Book Fair uh, dot com uh, and they can check it out all there. But uh, stay with us on the line, uh, Said, because uh, coming up next we're going to be talking about what's been happening in music in Sharjah. There's a lot, hasn't there? Exactly, Sharjah Hall and a bunch of other performances coming up um, your way in the Emirates real soon. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that next on Life Beats on Pulse ninety five. The heart of Sharjah. Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. A story to tell. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. Welcome back to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, on Pulse 95. Saeed Saeed is on the line, the arts and culture reporter from The National. Saeed, uh, there's a story that you have been following, and this is all about a new national orchestra right here in the UAE. Yes, that's right. So um, last, <clears throat> last week, an interesting uh, announcement uh, um, came from the Minister of Culture and Knowledge Development, Noor Al-Kabi. She delivered the news that a new UAE National Orchestra is currently being formed and will, inshallah, be up and running um, next year. This orchestra will be made up of UAE nationals and UAE residents, you know, with the hope and the aim of celebrating the country's rich heritage. This is really good news. Why is this uh, such a big deal that the UAE is finally getting its own national orchestra, Said? Well, I mean, an or- I mean, an orchestra historically has always been, you know, a unifying force, you know, uh, and a platform to celebrate a country's heritage. So in that sense, you know, it's, it's a quite effective tool, you know, to build, um, you know, a love of culture within a society. And at the same time, it's also like a, um, a, a form of diplomacy as well. Cultural exchange is a very, very important part of UAE diplomacy and a UAE national orchestra will be very effective in that. But we're still seeing at the moment, you know, worldwide, there's becoming less of a focus on orchestras, on classical music, um, and questions are being asked about the relevance uh, of musical institutions globally. So how are they kind of coming into that kind of uh, atmosphere uh, and creating this new orchestra? That's right. I mean, as you're saying, um, the orchestra is kind of being built with this kind of ominous background mm. score, you know, that, yeah. that says, you know, is an institution such as this important? I mean, can it survive? Because uh, yeah, you're right, because there's due to a lack of interest and a lack of finances, um, many orchestras around the world, I mean, they're the smaller ones, you know, not, not, not the major ones, are shutting its doors. So there's this question, is the is the orchestra's relevant today? And what I'm saying, um, I wrote a column about this for the National last week, and I think um, what the UAE, I mean, there's some things that the UAE National Orchestra should do to kind of start to self-preserve itself, and that is not just it being viewed as a musical endeavor, 
an orchestra should also be view, um, viewed as a community initiative, you know, something that kind of brings people together. And that means getting out of the stage and kind of going into the community, collaborating with the community. It should kind of be like a, like a symbol of the society and it should kind of move around. I absolutely agreed. What I would love to see, uh, Saeed, is um, bringing in into the National Orchestra traditional Arabic instruments um, that can somehow work, you know, in collaboration with the orchestra uh, to bring a little bit of that Arabic flavor as well. That's right. I mean, it's very. I think it's very important for an orchestra to, to um, for especially a national orchestra to reflect, you know, the country, you know, that it comes from. So I think what you're saying is actually quite important, and uh, and I think I'll be surprised if that aspect wasn't kind of infused into the works, you know, of the of the orchestra. I mean, I would like it to go even further. I would like the orchestra to, to kind of go in into the into into UA society because there's many rich, uh, culturally, uh, musically rich communities that are living within the UAE. Yeah. I would like it for the orchestra to kind of work with these communities and to create something that we can truly be our own. I would love to see, like, you know, absolutely uh, what you just said. Uh, actually, uh, about a, a, a couple of weeks ago, we actually had uh, Joseph Tawadros, who was playing mm. at uh, Dubai Opera. He came in uh, to Pulse95, and, you know, of course, he's performed at the BBC Proms with his Oud. Uh, you know, when you hear the Oud with an orchestra, the Qanun, you know, these incredible instruments, uh, it just takes music to a whole new level, doesn't it? That's right, and it also it expands our palate. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and that's the thing when you when you're going back to our discussions about um, the issues facing um, classical music orchestras. A lot of it also, as well, is you know, is the kind of the, the limited type of um, palate that they operate. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, um, I mean, there's arguments that says orchestras should kind of play more poppy songs. I'm not saying like we should that they should play pop, uh, classical versions of Britney Spears. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, <laughs> no, you know, definitely I'm not. Saying, like, you know, expand, you know, like, uh, like expand the palace. So kind of yep. bring in, you know, the Eastern elements, you know, because um, there's a whole world of music there that we, ha- that we have yet to be appreciated. And out of like um, the Mr. Tadras is an example of that. Speaking of a whole new world of music, um, we just had uh, last week, the uh, the opening of the Africa Hall and the series, the incredible series of concerts uh, that took place in honor of uh, the reopening of the Africa Hall. And of course, uh, Lisa Simone was there. Uh, Malatu Astatke, who is a legend, really, you know, he is the father of Ethio jazz, uh, essentially bringing, you know, Ethiopian, traditional Ethiopian music into jazz. And I was there at his concert Absolutely breathtaking. Breathtaking. You know, the, wonder, the wonderful thing about Mulatu Astatke is that his story also is a very UAE one. So basically, um, you know, he, uh, I mean, he, um, he's a uh, classically trained. He was one of the first um, um, Ethiopian students, you know, to study classical music in the States. And basically, he became popular again in the early 90s when his music was kind of rediscovered by an indie French music label. And then after that, filmmakers started picking it up and then the rest is history. Yes. But what many people don't know about Mulatu Astatke is that he played a residency in a hotel in the UAE in the 1980s. 
No way. He, absolutely. I, I interviewed um, Mulatu, and he says, you know, because, you know, UAE, me and UAE go way back. He used to play, you know, a three-month residency at the Sheraton Hotel in Abu Dhabi near the Corniche, you know, <laughs> just to make end meet. So basically, he would play there. So basically, for many of us, we were in the midst of a legend, and we didn't even know it. Unbelievable. He really is. He's literally, you know, I got to meet him. I got to speak to him as well. Uh, but he really is. He's a living legend and he's still passionate, uh, you know, about creating new music, but also honoring heritage uh, and the past. But you got to talk to uh, Yusundur as well. Yes. So um, the, um, the pinnacle, I would say, of that um, Africa Hall concert was the actual opening concert was by the Senegalese. Um, um, artist, activist, politician, musician, everything, every label, <laughs> you know, that is good as described to him. And that's just one door. I spoke to him actually um, while he was on the car on the way to the airport after his performance. And he was expressing to me how wonderful and how refreshing it was to play, you know, to an audience in Sharjah who were so enthusiastic, who were so, um, you know, so just jubilant yeah. about the music and you know and the story of Africa Hall that he said that he plans to come back to Sharjah you know once he's once he returns with a new album amazing we would love that so much and uh, also uh, 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 Peter Ajay the DJ Peter Ajay was there uh, I spoke to him as well so me uh, and uh, those interviews will be coming to life beats as well you've got your interview with Yusundur it's coming out in the national uh, too so we've got so much to look forward to but I'm gonna have to let you go you've got a lot to do uh, in Frankfurt's aid but we'll be hearing again from you next week Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Have a fantastic time. Great to talk to you. Said Said, arts and culture reporter at The National. This is Life Beats on Pulse95. You're listening to Pulse95. Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Pulse95. Keeping it local all day, every day.